it. Played by Westbrook. Ginobili for three. Yes! One-point lead for San Antonio. Terry, a long three. Bang! Jason Terry gives the Mavericks a seven-point lead with 33 seconds remaining. Simmers bring it in. Five seconds to go. Tie game. Seat belts are fastened. Lou Williams for the win. Bingo! Oh my goodness. Hello. Welcome to another episode of the Six Man Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Barnett. And join me on the other line in Chicago land where the Cubs lost again when he was in person. Cam Koenig. Cam, how's it feel to be a bad luck charm? Yeah, zero and two this year for Cubs games. That's that's gotta that's gotta change for sure. I, I have a feeling it's just uh, maybe the Cubs are just going to be a strictly five hundred baseball team this year. Um, yeah, gonna, I kind of said at the beginning of the year, like seventy five to eighty, I think would be uh, in the sweet spot here. Um, and I, I think that's probably about what's going to happen. I do think um, Hendricks and Stroman are going to figure it out. And, you know, I think once they get Wade Miley up and going, once they get Alec Mills up and going, the starting rotation is going to be a little bit better. The bullpen's been okay. Um, they're, you know, they're, they're trying, they're doing it. They're obviously the scoring could be a little bit better. They're, they kind of started off a little strong. Um, they have a couple people in some slump and like some mini slumps at the moment, but, uh, that's just, you know, it's part of the, part of the, part of the season. It's the weather's been kind of shitty up here. So that's definitely another part of it. But, um, you know, I, I, I am slightly more optimistic about this Cubs team than I was about a month, month and a half ago. So and at least they're not the Reds. That's all that matters at this oh, yes. point. Yes, at least they are not the three and twenty-two Reds. Uh, let's talk about the NBA. I want to start off. I yeah, we probably should, considering that this is a basketball podcast <laughs> and not a basketball podcast. Basketball, yes. I want to start off with probably the worst series so far this playoffs. Um, the Heat and 76ers. Um once Embiid was like, once we found out Embiid wasn't going to play, I thought that the 76ers pretty much would have no chance. And I think that that's kind of been how this works. Um, but even the Heat have played, the, the Heat have played like dog shit in every game and have kind of just crushed the 76ers. Like, I, after this, watching the series, I don't know how you can't fire Doc Rivers. That's how you why, what? That, that's why that's why I can't I want to start with this. I, after watching the series, I think you have to fire Doc Rivers. I, but I mean, they already got rid of Ben Simmons. Like, I, if you can't, you can't get rid of both of them if you're in the front office and keep your job. Like, I agree. The only way they fire Doc Rivers after this year. Is if it's like a complete organizational restructure. 
And that might be what it needs to take because I don't think the 76ers are going to win either game at home. I don't think so. No, I mean, because that's the thing. We saw that um, Embiid is currently listed as out for game three. That Now, they did say that that could change, but this is a big but. Like, do you risk him at this point? Like, if he doesn't play game three and they go down 3-0, like – do you just sit him game four? Well, this is going back to the uh, Ben Simmons conversation or the well, conversation. Uh, let me let me say before we even begin that train of thought, um, I was never of the belief that Ben Simmons was going to play. I think the fact that he got back surgery today kind of confirms that belief. So I, I see. This is, but here's the issue: the situation. Yeah, it is a totally different situation. Is it, you know, is it possible to get elective back surgery simply to win a grievance? $21.4 million grievance. That's a really good question. Um, I don't know. All I know is I don't think Shams and Woj should be held in as high of light recently with some of their reporting on this issue. Well, I, I mean... I think- before, before we say anything crazy here, I, I do think that in sports reporting, and this goes across any of the major sports, and soccer, even like European soccer, you have to think and you have to be aware of that some of the information that you're going to get from teams is going to be smokescreen. It happens in the NFL draft. All the time, you know, it happens in it happens in MLB free agency. It happens in NBA free agency. You know, um, it, it happens. You know, it, it people uh, people want to get their narrative out there in one way or the other. And I, I think that you know, if Woj and Shams are getting you know legitimate information from legitimate sources that are saying like, hey. There's a chance that this, that if, if we have a chance to extend this series that Ben Simmons is going to play, then yeah, I, I think they don't really have a choice other than to view that as legitimate information. I just think that if we look at the track record for Ben Simmons this year, I think it was very obvious that he was never going to play this year. Like once he decided to start sitting out in Philly, there was no way. Like and like I said, if I, I will say if if he I, I thought that he if, if he got traded to a contender that there was a chance for him to play, but then once you start hearing about this back um, injury, and then once you start hearing again that there may still be some unresolved mental blocks that he has, it, there was no way. I want to start with this with Ben Simmons, and we'll we'll go back to this series in a second. I hope, it, I hope it works out for him, honestly. But he's going to cost the Players Association so much in the next CBA. Uh, and it kind of makes me sick I, thinking about it. I I don't think it's just going to be him, but I think there is going to be a lot of stuff that has happened over the past, like, three or four years that is – I think if we thought the MLB lockout was nasty, um, I think the, ML, the NBA lockout – 
that's going that's 100% going to happen um, is going to be even nastier. Like there was a report today that the Nets may have lost like anywhere from like 50 to 100 million dollars this year. Yeah, and here's the other things with this. Like obviously if I will Kyrie- say real quick before you start here, sorry to interrupt you again. Take that with a grain of salt. Because I just said I just talked about smokescreen in sports reporting. That could be the beginning of the NBA owners being like, We are losing so much money, guys. Biblical losses. Yeah, I think this is one of those like how bad is it really uh, type of things? Um, and for small market teams like Indiana, I would say things actually haven't been that bad. You look at Memphis, you look at Phoenix, you look at Milwaukee. There's been a lot of small market success recently. And I think that the big time owners, you know, the owners, the Lakers, uh, the Clippers, your New York teams, I think that's where our issues are going to come up is these big market teams are going to be like, these small market teams are hemorrhaging our money. These big name players are controlling too much of the league. Um, You know, we have that with the Clippers with Paul George and Kawhi playing only like 30% of the game since they signed there. We have that with, um, we've had that with other teams. Like, you know, you look at Orlando, right? They've had like four guys in their roster who all missed like back-to-back seasons basically. I think that we're going to come to a new standard with contracts similar to the Joel Embiid contract where it's like you have to hit a certain threshold of games to earn your next year's salary. Um, So if you want the max deal, let's say Kyrie Irving, uh, you have to play 70% of your games next year or your deal gets cut in half the following year. Uh, And I think that that – is going to not only incentivize the selective sitting that they want to try to prevent uh, in the, you know, in the later part of the year, you know, with Malcolm Bragdon missing the whole last 20 games of the regular season, playing in like four of them instead of all 20 uh, when he was like recovering from his injuries. Uh, When you look at the nature of the beast, when it comes to players just sitting for load management, like LeBron, like Russ, like, those players who were like out of the playoffs, but like, we're going to sit down, you know, we don't want to play because we have nothing to play for. Uh, my de incentivized Damian Lillard to, you know, go through this uh, surgery that was kind of optional in the middle of the season, just because his team was bad. All those things kind of added up. Uh, and I think that you partner that with, if Ben Simmons win the, wins this, you know, kind of settlement with the league, uh, I think all hell's going to um, I don't know what to do with uh, the question. Will be and this is an interest. This is a thought that I just have. I just had. Sorry. Um, the question would be like if Ben Simmons doesn't win this grievance, and you know, let's say that there is some like at that point, maybe does this put the potential onus of maybe extending a little bit of a lockout onto the players thinking that strategy that is like, Hey, we know that we could potentially be in for a rough negotiate negotiations. Are we 
And, and let's be honest, the NBA Players Association is I, I, is different than you know a lot of you know a lot of these other players. So the the stars of the NBA are very much front and center of the NBA Players Association. Does does do you think that changes the tone of these potential negotiations coming up? Because let's be honest, a lot of the people who are going to have complaints, or at least who the owners are going to have complaints with, are going to be the people that are probably going to be driving a lot of this, uh, a lot of the narrative or a lot of the negotiations from the player side. Yeah, you know what, it's, it, it's tough. I, I really want to believe that the players are going to be able to figure this out. I really do. I, I don't think so. I, I think like they have the bad, they have bad representation at the higher levels, especially with Kyrie Irving up there. Um, you look at some of the other issues uh, with off the court stuff that needs to be resolved. Um, you know, this could be like player conduct. Um, you know, we still have the issues with like Harden forcing his way out of Houston, right? Uh, coming into camp way overweight and then just magically shedding all of that in a matter of nights, it seems. Um, we have the issues with, you know, players going clubbing in the middle of the pandemic and bringing COVID back to their team right before playoff games, like we saw Paul George. Um, all these little things I think are going to really kick the NBA PA's ass uh, when it comes to renegotiating. You know, the revenue split's been in the player, player's favor for a while. I imagine it's going to move back more towards the middle. What's the current split at the moment? You know, I think it's somewhere around the 54 to 46 range. Um, but I think that the most... Looks like it's 51-49. That's okay, that sounds about right. Now we did get a we did get and it looks like this the sports business journal put out an article saying both sides are optimistic about getting a deal done before um the before its expiration at the end of the 2024, the 2023-2024 season. Um but I do feel like this Ben Simmons stuff, and, and this this article came out in March. I do feel like this Ben Simmons stuff um, could sour a lot of it, to say the least. Yeah, how much worse is this going to get though? If like ben yeah, that, that's another. That's another. That's another good thought. It's like which because that's the thing. Like I, I think we could we are we are potentially heading towards a very ugly scenario in Los Angeles. Uh, LA uh, is one, and I think Utah is the other. Um, and, and maybe both LA teams. Yeah, I think what we're going to see, there's going to be four teams, I think, that are going to have some serious uh, issues here in the next, maybe not next season, next couple of seasons maybe. I think uh, when Philly has to decide if they want to give Harden a max extension, that's going to be interesting because the final year of Harden's max extension would be about $64 million, uh, which at the current rate would be over half of your cap. 
Uh, obviously, we predict the gap to go about 25% in the next four years. So we'll see. Um, but there's no fucking way a 37-year-old James Harden is worth that much money. Um, so maybe it's a front-loaded max contract, but the NBA really doesn't want to deal with that either. So I don't, I don't think you can afford to give if, – if I don't think you can afford to give – Unless that player is like, I mean, Giannis. I don't think any like I don't think any player is worth half the cap. No, 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 no one's worth half your cap. But let's say the cap goes to like one fifty ish. Is Giannis worth forty percent of your cap? In which case, I think there's arguments to be made that like you could say maybe on something like that, or Luca, or something like that, where it's like a team has this potentially top 10 player of all time. Now, Luca and Giannis are both far away from that. But at those points, I think you have to look at. Um, we've seen times in the past where players have made like roughly 30 to 40% of their cap and be relatively successful. Um, but I will say this, the next CBA with all the new TV deals and everything is going to be fascinating. I really do think that like, how much the salary cap goes up, how much teams are willing to pay for luxury tax, because I think they need to rework that system a little bit more, especially with the repeater tax and things like that. Because there are a lot of teams who pay the repeater tax, and it's not enough to incentivize them to go under the tax. Um, not saying you want to incentivize it, but you may want to penalize them more. If you want to really stick it to players about like trying to make balanced teams, things like that, and just prevent like super teams from forming. Then you may have to look into a higher repeated tax. But at the end of the day, the CBA is a few years away, and we need to focus on playoff basketball because there's three other playoff series uh, that we need to talk about. The next one is another blowout series, Phoenix Suns, Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, despite uh, Maxi Kleber's best efforts in game one, uh, Dallas, yep, Dallas down to 0 2. Um, Can we talk about how good Luca is? Dallas, yeah, he's great. I mean, that's, he's, he's great. He's, he's fucking amazing. Like, he, there was, you know, there's a very interesting post on uh, Reddit that I saw today. Um, does it is it starting to feel like the next generation of NBA superstars is like a year or two, like just like a year or two away from basically like pushing everybody out of the count? Like this is I, I feel like we are very close to this, like being a John Morant, Luka Doncic, Giannis league instead of being, you know, the. Steph, LeBron, KD. The, the, the old guard's I, I think We are very close, I think, to like kind of ushering in kind of the new top 10, the new top five, if you will. Yeah, I mean, Giannis has already been, you know, just absurd for so long. Yeah, right? Giannis is there. He, he's definitely there already. But it you know, feels it, to me like, you know, Luca and John Morant are very close. If here's another. Luka here's another. Luca Mays is probably there already too. Here's another name that we haven't talked about yet, but we're going to get to Jason Tatum. He is. Yeah. He's taking another. I mean, and the dude's my age. I think he's 23, 24. The the, the steps these players are taking so early in their career is yeah. fascinating to me. 
I mean, I can remember, you know, when I was growing up, young Jermaine O'Neal, right? Comes to the Pacers after being, you know, you know, kicked out of Portland, basically. Comes to the Pacers, says it's my team. You know, first year averages like 20 points and like goes to 26, 27, becomes like this perennial, you know, defensive powerhouse, all-star, whatever you want to say. That is as close to like <laughs> this situation as I could think of because like Jermaine was like 23 at the time. John Morant has like, I think he's overtaken. He's probably jumped 30, 40 spots. I mean, he's, uh, you know, this playoff series a lot. Uh, 47 in the last game. Uh, and they needed all those points, by the way. Like the 47 in the last game, 12 or 13 from the free throw line. One of the other players who's in that next generation of stars is Jordan Poole. The dude's going to earn himself a fucking bag, man. I don't know yeah. if he'll be with Golden State, but. Are you looking for a healthy alternative to your daily snacking? Look no further than Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com, type in promo code 6manpod uh, to get 15% off your first order. Built Bar, 100% covered in chocolate, some of the best protein bars around, and some of the healthiest treats I've ever had. Really love peanut butter brownie and mint coconut chocolate chip. Both are phenomenal. Both have tons of protein and are a really good alternative for your daily snacks. Check them out. BuiltBar.com slash SixManPod. This podcast is sponsored in part by Fanatics. Fanatics offers the broadest assortment of fan merchandise and memorabilia worldwide from all your favorite leagues and sports. Not just the NBA and NCAA like we talk about here, but also the NFL. And I'm in the market for some new Packers gear myself, and with Fanatic Selection, I can choose between jerseys, t-shirts, and sweatshirts, even face masks, tailgating equipment, and stuff for my pets. And I'm leaning towards getting a nice sweatshirt myself. You can also shop MLB, NHL, NASCAR, and all your favorite soccer leagues around the globe. Order now and get free U.S. shipping on any and all orders over $29 using code 29SHIP. Again, that's 2-9-S-H-I-P-29-SHIP. And now, back to the podcast. Coming into this series, he had probably earned himself a max contract. And I don't think Golden State can afford four max contracts on their books. No, I don't think any, te- I don't think any team can. Because that's not like nine guys at the vet men. Yeah. And going into the luxury tax. Which, I mean, they've been in the luxury tax since the Stone Age, basically. But I just – damn, he has been really impressive. Uh, you know, I think he was kind of overlooked coming out of Michigan. I, I, he was always really good for those Michigan squads. But, I mean, you know, in 34 minutes, 20 points off the bench uh, against Memphis. He's a plus two in a game they lost by five. Uh, you know, the <laughs> – 20 points, five assists, like that's one hell of a night off the bench uh, for anybody. Um, and for a player coming into the year who is kind of out of the rotation in Golden State, like, yeah, I feel pretty good if you're Jordan Poole. But I want to, in this series, we have another issue. And I talked a little bit about this yesterday. I'll talk a little bit more about it right now. 
do you think there's going to be more retaliation in game three um, towards? Uh, I certainly hope not. Um, I am, I mean, I'm, I'm always very anti-retaliation. Like as somebody who unfortunately has had some, has had one or two uh, egregious foul calls in the day has somebody who's been on the end of one or two egregious foul calls back in the day. Like it, it just, it never, it never works. Like it, it just doesn't. Yeah, I agree. Um, I will say this, like it's one of the things I think the NBA really needs to address this off season. You know, we've seen the NFL kind of look at taunting and things like that again. I make sure those rules are correct. If there's one thing I want the NBA to really address, it's uh, kickouts on offense. Yeah. Um, and reassessing those as flagrant fouls properly. Uh, probably fl- I, those should probably be considered like a flagrant one, I think. And then, and, and then and, like a fine. Yeah, I, I want those to be a flagrant one and a fine instead of just an offensive foul. And then a, another thing I want them to look at is really setting guidelines for fines versus suspensions versus, um, you know, potential expulsions. I don't think anybody has ever done anything bad enough to get expelled from the NBA. But I I think you would have to. You'd have to literally kill somebody, I think. Yeah, probably get expelled. But I think you have to like clothesline LeBron. And Adam Silver in the same swing. Like it it have to be pretty extreme. Mm-hmm. But looking at the Dylan Brooks situation compared to the Draymond Green situation, I think you and I are on opposite sides of this. I think the NBA should have been consistent and suspended both. They should have retroactively suspended Draymond for game three and then also suspended Brooks or neither. So, yeah, I, I get where you're coming from that. But – and I, I said this to you earlier. You can't, you can't punish Draymond. Like you can't go back and punish Draymond Green. But just you can, because, But because of the other things but you he did but, in so game because two. Because you you can't because you made a mistake with one situation does not mean you are allowed to make the same mistake again. So I I am perfectly fine with Dylan Brooks getting suspended a game. I understand where you're coming from i believe that draymond should have been suspended for game two i I think anytime if a flagrant two is assessed and you get ejected from the game that should be you should that should carry a one game suspension i think you can have there there is obviously some room depending on the severity of the action dylan brooks or the a repeat offender, Draymond Green. It, it, it is, it, it's possible to, it's possible to be both here. Like, yes, the NBA screwed up by not suspending Draymond Green for game two, but that shouldn't give them license to not suspend Dylan Brooks for game three. So, so here, here's another thing. All right. Even if you, okay. If you want to say like, okay, maybe you can't retroactively suspend Draymond Green The fact he has been ejected from now three games this postseason should be more than enough to suspend him for a game. Yeah, I I agree. I I agree. It's 
it should be I, if he gets ejected from another game, it should be a one game suspension. Well, and, like, he, and he, I mean, and that that's the thing. He is up to three flagrant points for three intentional foul or three technical foul points. If he gets another one where he gets ejected, he's out. But like again, to me, I and look at he ran into the same situation in twenty eighteen at the finals. Yeah, I think. This is one of those things the NBA needs to look at. Again, if it was me, if I was Adam Silver and I was on this committee that votes on whether players get suspended, fined, whatever, Draymond Green for flipping off the fans in Memphis, you fine him already, just suspend him again. Get him to cool off. You can also say, oh, yeah, this is also because you're a piece of shit and had your flagrant two foul in game one of the series. And this just added on to it. I think that they should be able to say, this is why we're doing this. And then you put it in plain black and white and not leave it up to literally just kind of a game of coin flips where you never know, you know, how many times have we seen uh, a player flagrant two foul to Monis Sabonis this year and with no fine and no suspension associated. But there was two times where LeBron was flagrant two fouled uh, this year with like pretty soft fouls. I wouldn't say that I think they need to really look at what a flagrant two is with pretty soft fouls in comparison. Uh, and both players are spending games uh, both with against Portland and Utah because of this, I think that they really need to set in stone and not leave this up to the officials making a judgment call. Uh, I they need to, they need to have absolutely it. agree. Absolutely agree. It's, it, it sh- there should be a clear procedure in place, even if there is a sliding range of discipline. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I think, I think there's an easy way to do this. Uh, you know, I think, you know, flagrant ones, you probably don't suspend for. No, it's, uh, it's, often, and that probably that gets directed to the commissioner's office. There is a anywhere from, we'll call five, it five to $25 to $50,000 fine mm-hmm. associated with it. Um, you know, go on your day. Maybe if it's bad enough or if it goes into the technical points, then, you know, you know, if, if you accumulate enough flagrant ones, then, okay, maybe there's a one game suspension coming your way. I think a flagrant two should automatically flagrant two, which is an automatic ejection, I believe. Right. Automatic ejection. Yeah. So a, a flagrant two should automatically be a one game suspension that can maybe scale up, you know, flagrant two if it's a. Yeah. Because I would argue maybe like in this case, you give Draymond a game, Dylan Brooks, both games in Golden State. That's where I would be at. If, if the NBA wanted to come out tomorrow and say that I'd be all for it because I will say this, Dylan Brooks retaliated against the Warriors. 100%. 100% deliberately retaliation. But because we're not punishing other players in the series to the same level, I think the NBA really needs to look at this. I don't agree with Colin. But at at that said, point, you just, at that point, it's like, okay, Jonathan Kaminga or Moses Moody gets put into the game for Golden State to, you know, go to just, pop the shit out of jaw and then you have you know where does it end like that's the thing i i think this that's my is, fear 
I, I think it's like, you know, the first punch doesn't doesn't necessarily get punished in football. It's always the reaction that gets seen and gets the and gets a personal foul call. I think that's kind of what we saw here. I think this is the NBA saying no more of this. Are you sick and tired of paying large amounts of fees on your ticket purchases? Look no further than TickPick.com. TickPick is a one-stop shop for all your entertainment ticket needs. NBA games, NFL games, NCAA basketball games. It doesn't matter. They've got it. I've purchased concert tickets, college football tickets, NFL tickets on there. They truly are the best one-stop shop for all your entertainment needs. And with no fees like Ticketmaster and Subhub, you are getting the best guaranteed price on the market. And for a limited time, check out TickPick.com slash SixManPod or under SixManPod when you go to check out for $20 off your first purchase. That's $20 off your first ticket purchase at TickPick.com using promo code SixManPod. And now back to the show. And I do think if... Golden State, if there's another, if Golden State has a flagrant two, if Memphis has a flagrant two in the series, or if we really see another hard flagrant two in any of any other playoff series this year, I think this is kind of the blueprint for it at this point. I, I, I agree, um, but I also worry about fans getting involved in the next game. I think that that might be the next escalation. And I don't know what the NBA is going to do about that if that happens. I don't think we're going to have a malice at the palace situation. I hope uh, to God. we have my hopes up, Zach. I really hope we never have that again. But I, 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 I kind could, of hope we have like one more. I, I could definitely see, you know, especially Memphis somehow pulls it out. I would love to see what the punishments would be for a malice in the palace situation 2022. Because I don't think they would be nearly as. I don't think they would punish the players as much. Yeah. Because like, <laughs> you know, suspending Ron Artest for damn near 80, you know, 65 yeah. games. I think like if, if that like same exact situation, same exact players, like it, exactly the same. I think Ron Artest probably gets like. 15. Yeah. 15, 10, 20 games. Yeah. Uh, Steven Jackson maybe got to five games. Jermaine O'Neal three or four games. Um, but I, I also think the, the the crackdown on the fans in Detroit and the Detroit organization would be way more Oh, yeah. Strict. The organization, they'd probably play the next game like behind closed doors. 100%. 100%. And I, I worry – that we could have maybe, again, especially if Memphis goes in and wins on Saturday, you know, we could have the Russ, Russell Westbrook fan throwing popcorn at him in Philly, right? Or where Russ got pretty heated, hit a security guard, things like that, you know, a couple of years ago when he played for the Wizards. I think that is something that's very likely to happen, and I don't know what the NBA would do from that point. Like, it, let's say, for example – Fans start throwing bottles, popcorn, whatever. John Morant, he punches. A I think the players guard. would just the players would walk off at that point. But the NBA, the NBA would have to step in. I, I really do think the NBA would have to like completely step in because I think once that starts happening, you start losing control in the series. We've already seen some chippiness between the Memphis fans and Draymond and Jordan Poole and Kaminga. 
<clears throat> I think if it keeps escalating, if the NBA could be like, fuck you guys are playing on a neutral court. Uh, put them out in fucking Sacramento or something, and you're playing the rest of the games out there. Something completely unprecedented where they have to think, okay, what is the worst case scenario for us as an organization, as the, as the NBA as a whole, is our young superstar, 23-year-old John Morant, getting hit with beer cans and stuff after he wins a playoff game. And so I think that there is definitely, like, <laughs> if this keeps escalating, <laughs> beyond players, which I think is the next step, then I think that's where we're going to end up is you're playing on a neutral court. Tough shit. Uh, let's talk about Boston. I really don't want to talk about Boston, but they deserve it. Um, this Boston and Milwaukee series is secretly just it, – it's like a heavyweight fight right now. I mean – this is cer- <clears throat> This is certainly the most interesting series, I think. I think it was awesome that – Boston made the executive decision to just let Giannis go get his, go cook, go do whatever you got to do and let everybody else beat us. You know, Giannis had 28, nine and seven the other night and they lost by 23 points. Like it's kind of a, uh, this is kind of like a Dallas situation. Yeah. You know, it's like, it can't just be, it can't just be Giannis. And, and again, you know, uh, Smart's going to come back in game three, most likely. That's going to be game, game the first game in Milwaukee on Saturday. I think Boston has a real fighter's chance here. Obviously, no Middleton for Milwaukee is brutal. I mean, it's just not having your this, second best player. This seven-game series written all over it, especially if Milwaukee can't get anybody else going. They got a, they got an issue here where Drew Holiday, as good as he is on defense, has been really, really struggling on offense. And I almost wonder if we might see a breakup with Drew Holiday this offseason. I don't think they should, because again, I think Drew Holiday is just that good of a defender. But if he can't be a reliable number two in the absence of Chris Middleton which is kind of what they needed him to be when they got him and what they need him to be right now. I think they may look to move him for somebody who can. Uh, and there's tons of options out there, obviously. Mm-hmm. But one, one that I thought, thought was kind of interesting would be like them moving Drew Holiday and a couple of future picks to Utah for Donovan Mitchell. That would be interesting. Because – I think they'd probably need to put in more for that, but that would be interesting. See, I don't know. Drew Holiday is a really high return. Donovan Mitchell is a really high return, but he's really bad on defense. He's a defensive liability. I think it's partially because he doesn't like playing with Gobert. But I I, I look at this. Gobert certainly doesn't like playing with him either. We'll talk know, about that. I know that's our next topic. So that we'll, is our we'll next topic, that. yes. Yeah. But, but, I, but I think that that is something I keep – Kind of hearing rumbling. And, I mean, Holiday still, like, 7 for 20 in game two. He had 19 points. One for six from three. You know, one for six from three isn't really going to cut it. But this is a 
Milwaukee team that as a team went three for 18 from three. And he had seven assists. Like, that can't go understated as well. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah, he had seven of the team's 16 assists. Well, yeah, yeah. and it's like Giannis and Holiday had 14 of their 16. Yeah. So it's like I, I get it's like, hey, you got – 13 points from Bobby Portis. You got 13 points from Pat Connington. Um, I know like Grayson Allen has had, you know, had a really good game against Chicago. Um, Wes Matthews, Wesley Matthews, you probably want more than four points from Brooke Lopez. You need more than two shots from Brooke Lopez. So it's like, if, you know, you're right. If, 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 if Boston can keep doing that and, you know, shutting down these third, fourth, fifth options for Milwaukee and, you know, kind of letting Antetokounmpo get his points and just playing really good defense on holiday, then I, I could see Boston not just extending this series, but maybe even, you know, winning this series, especially the way, you know, you mentioned it, like the, Jason Tatum is playing and like Jalen Brown had 30 points. Grant Williams had Grant Williams had 21. Um, Derek White was a plus 22 with zero points. Peyton Pritchard is, you know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Derek White plays really good. Peyton Pritchard has been playing, you know, decent, you know, he played 24 minutes for them, which is, is huge. Like Boston's playing seven deep right now. Here's, a, here's another interesting thought for what the Bucks could do. Do you call San Antonio? and offer Drew Holiday maybe, like, a couple of protected firsts to go get DeJounte Murray. He's a good defender. He's a 19-8-8 kind of guy. He's a little bit younger, kind of fits their Giannis timetable a little bit better. And then maybe you move off Chris Middleton after next season uh, when his contract has a couple, only two years left on set three. I think that's probably the next evolution of this Milwaukee team is let's move this into Giannis's timetable. So moving, you know, into DeJounte Murray, getting a little bit cheaper, a little bit younger, and then giving San Antonio a guy that, you know, Pop's going to try to win with. Yeah, uh, you I know, it, it, it's, it's an interesting point. You know, it's, you're certainly right. Because at one, at, at some point, Milwaukee is going to have to transition into the second phase of Giannis. And I'm not sure what that looks like, but, you know, may, yeah, maybe you do go the, I, you know, you don't necessarily see it too often in the NBA in teams, maybe moving off pieces one year early instead of one year too, you know, it's mostly one year too late, you know, in the NBA or two years too late or three years too late Yeah. Um, yeah. in the NBA. And yeah, you know, maybe, Maybe that does fit, um, you know, San Antonio making one last run with Pop, you know, and trying to get into the playoffs, giving, you know, letting Drew Holiday be a, you know, a veteran presence for them. Um, I don't know. That's, that's, that's some interesting, that's an interesting thought experiment for sure. Yeah. And I mean, obviously it's got to be like, you have to send like pick swap picks or whatever, I think is how that works. But at the end of the day, I think that that's kind of the next evolution for Milwaukee. Uh, but right now they're poised again to make another run at a title. Um, and if Chris Middleton can potentially come back, if they win this series in the next series, and I, I like their odds. I want to talk about Utah. Uh, I, I will say though, 
Miami Boston uh, would objectively be the funniest Eastern Conference Finals. That'd be awesome. Miami Boston or God, I, I just at this point, as long as it's not Philly, I don't care. Um, <laughs> I'm mean, here to say I think a lot of people are rooting for a Milwaukee Phoenix rematch. Maybe cool. Um, I, I I certainly would like to see it. I think. You know, the NBA would be fine with the Milwaukee Phoenix rematch. They probably want like Milwaukee Golden State or like Boston Golden State. God, you know how awesome it'd be feels like Boston Dallas. Like, oh man, that'd be awesome. Like, uh, it won't happen. I I, I think Dallas. Well, I, I mean the NBA would be fine with that because then you just market it's just that all of their marketing. Next year is just going to be, you know, LeBron, Luca, Giannis. Yeah. Uh, but Utah. but now, but now, but now it's time. Now it's time to talk about Utah. So Dwayne Wade, Ryan Smith, ownership here, and there is some serious issues going on with this team. Uh, maybe one of the worst defensive teams I think I've ever seen. Like, how as a team? Are you so bad defensively? And then I look at their roster. <laughs> I didn't realize, like, looking at this team's roster, like, just how bad they are. Um, so let, let, let's just go player by player here. You have Bojan Bogdanovic, who might be one of the worst defenders, like, in the NBA at small forward. Um, averages 18 a game, great. But his defense is atrocious. Like, damn near some of the worst I've ever seen. Jordan Clarkson, same thing. We've already talked about Donovan Mitchell and his lack of effort on defense, even though he is athletic, he's speedy. He seems like the mold to be a good defender. Um, obviously, Joe Ingles was a decent defender, but he got hurt midway through the year. They, the backup center is fucking Hassan Whiteside, of all people. And then Mike Conley is 400 years old, um, or at least his knees are, and he just can't defend guards anymore like he used to be able to. So my question is this. You know, you have Quinn Snyder who's about to have a hip replacement. You have Mike Conley Jr. who's about to have a hip replacement. You have Rudy Gobert who – That was mean. (laughs) You have Rudy Gobert, who is going to be like 45 or 35, whenever his next contract ends. I, I wonder what they need to do. To me, I, I think they, they blow this up. I, I think you have to, because I don't know if the – beyond what you just mentioned, all of the dirt, all of the rumors that we're getting – is pointing towards that Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell are done playing together. And I think you have to move off one of them, and I don't think it's possible to move Rudy Gobert's deal at the moment. Now, I will say this. I think there are teams out there that would take Rudy Gobert and his salary – for sure. And use him and need a center for that matter. 
for example, I presented this at the trade deadline. I said, this is what the Jazz need to do. This is what the Raptors need to do to make sure that they are a threat to the Eastern Conference Finals. An OG Ananobi, or sorry, a Pascal Siakam, Precious Achua for Rudy Gobert swap. And here's why both teams do it. Obviously, wing defense is the biggest need I think the Jazz have ever had. You have six nine power forward who is one of the, who is probably going to be second team all defense this year. Who can stop one through four very well and guard five as well. And then you get a young center in Precious Achua who hasn't really had a chance to shine a whole lot. Really good in the pick and roll. Really good defender. And you are sending the Raptors the defensive anchor they need at center to go through the like longest team of all time. Like, other than starting Fred Van Vliet, like, everybody on that team has, like, an eight-foot wingspan. (laughs) You know, so to me, it makes sense for both teams. You don't even have to include draft picks, I don't think, on either side. And it gets both situations solved to where, you know, there's maybe a couple of other moves to be made on Utah's side. But Donovan Mitchell suddenly doesn't have to play with Gobert. And because, and again, I think all of this stems, I think all of this like ill will towards each other stems from Gobert causing the COVID outbreak in the NBA. When he's sitting. Rudy Gobert caused COVID. Well, when he, remember, he like. Episode (laughs) title. When he's sitting there touching the mic and like coughing on the mic and like in front of all these, in front of all these people. And then like, you know, Donovan Mitchell like came out during the lock, like the lockdown. He's like, Hey, this is like kind of fucked up. Like, what are you doing? Type of thing. To me, I think that's kind of when all of this started and it's just stockpiled from there. I think the lowest assist rate of any two starters in the NBA is Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. Well, what was the stat? Like Jordan Mitchell averages three passes a game to Rudy Gobert. Like and 1.1 assists, I think is what it is like per hundred possessions or something absurd. Like those two clearly can't play together. And now it's up to the front office to make that decision of – and, again, like, Donovan Mitchell average is five yeah, assists. If, if I was Utah, I would certainly prefer to keep Donovan Mitchell. I think the return, though, is higher for Donovan Mitchell. I think if you move Donovan Mitchell, you just literally move everybody. You, like – Yeah. F- fuck it. You, you go send, like – you send us – you send Rudy Gobert to Charlotte for – Well, I, I mean, if they're going to move Mitchell, they're going to keep Gobert. Like you're gonna keep like Gobert is one of the no, no, no. God still no. like one of the best centers in the league. Like no, I think I think if you move Mitchell, like he isn't, but I think if you move Mitchell, you move everything. I think you completely blow this up. You go get Gordon Hayward from Charlotte, bring him home into a Utah because like that's where he started his career. So you bring Gordon Hayward back. You send Gobert to Charlotte, who needs a center. And you get maybe a couple of picks in the future, maybe the pick this year, one of their picks this year, like those kinds of things there. You know, Mike Conley, if he's willing to take like a contract, like, you know, if he's willing to like get some of his contract converted, 
maybe you can send him back to Memphis to be a backup point guard, or maybe you send him off to, you know, a, a team who's completely rebuilding a la Sacramento, a la Portland, a la Oklahoma City, somewhere like that, where they can absorb the contract, you know, give you maybe some young players or assets, and, and you kind of sweeten the deal with a first or whatever. If you're moving Donovan Mitchell, if you're not getting the return that, like, you would expect for, like, the, like the James Harden returns, probably a little bit much, but that's probably where I would want to start is be like, look, this is just younger, better James Harden, younger, more athletic James Harden. You know, those kinds of things is where I'm looking at if I'm Utah. If I move Mitchell, I move everybody. And if I'm moving Gobert and just Gobert, I think you're going back to we can compete again next year. Uh, so they have a lot of interesting decisions, including like if what happens when, you know, Snyder leaves to go coach the Lakers, because that's apparently the hottest rumor ever um, to join team hip replacement himself. Uh, like, what do you, what do you do there? You know, are, is there, do you have an assistant that you're like, yep, this is my guy. Do you go get like the thing that makes this a little bit more awkward? Utah does not have a first round pick this year. Yeah. Yeah, they've got they have a lot of decisions they gotta make. And they really need to make them fast because this team's expensive. <laughs> this team's very expensive. <laughs> like they have some really big holes they need to fill. Um, yeah, I really like Nikhil Alexander Walker. I think he's gonna be fine for them in the future at 23 years old. Uh, I like Azabuki as a center, uh, but he's 22. He doesn't get a lot of playing time because he's like the third center on the team. I think you have an option to where you can pivot towards this kind of younger era, get rid of Conley, get rid of Bogdanovich, get rid of uh, even like Jordan Clarkson, Royce O'Neal might be a little old, kind of pivot that way or just blow the whole damn thing up. That's kind of their options here. And kind of the last thing I wanted to touch on was – What's next for all the teams with coaching vacancies? Uh, obviously, f- finding a coach is the most yeah. important thing. First and foremost, find your coach. find a coach. Run through the teams, and I'll, I'll give you my opinion. Uh, but I want to start with Charlotte. Charlotte's got some big run, holes. Try and run it back. Try and try run it, it back. No center. Try run it back, and I, you know, with the. With the right move, with another year of Lamelo development, um, that, but Cam, they they want Russell Westbrook. Uh, that that's all the rumors. That's what that's what that's why, why the Lakers. Why would like that team is close, like. <laughs> That's, would you trade? Would you trade That's, Hayward? No, and, I want to trade. I would not trade anything Hay- for Russell Westbrook. Hayward and Ubre for Westbrook in the 2027-2029 picks from the no. Because <laughs> I would like, not, I I would maybe send like a couple cases of soda, some Powerade, like a couple balls. I mean, Westbrook's got to like. He's got to pay his own flight out here. I think I think there is – I actually think – and this sounds crazy. I think Westbrook might retire this offseason. 
Like the, the rumor, the rumor I saw with Charlotte that would make things a little interesting was uh, D'Antoni. I mean, the, the five seconds and shoot offense with LaBella Ball. What, what, yeah, what would his – so he averaged – let's see what he averaged this year. He averaged uh, 20 point, 20.1 points. I like it. He averaged 7.6 assists, 6.7 rebounds, uh, 1.6 steals, underrated. Yeah, um, uh, pretty good Pretty good defender, honestly. Yeah. Like, him, him and his brother have turned in, are very underrated defense. Well, obviously we knew what uh, we knew. Lonzo was a good defender. Yeah, we, knew what defense, so we knew what Lonzo's defense had become. Um, yeah, Lamelo, Lamelo is certainly a. They need a center. That, that's their thing. They don't yes. have a big. They don't have a and big. I, I, I think they are going to probably address that through the draft. Hopefully, Walker Kessler is still in a place where Chicago can pick him, but I would love Walker Kessler or Mark Williams or somebody like that in Charlotte. Um, Honestly, Romello I think... would probably average a triple-double if D'Antoni... Oh, easily. He'd be like 25, 11, and 11. He, he would probably have like 50 triple-doubles next year. The issue now is Bridges is going to get a max contract. Yes. Whether it's Charlotte offering it, or another team offering it, they have to match. Can't yeah, they can't afford to lose them. You can't lose bridges, so that eats up a ton of cap. I, I again, of course, as always, the Indiana Pacers center to Charlotte rumors keep swirling in Indianapolis media. I don't think the Pacers getting rid of Miles Turner. I think they're going to extend him, which I would not want to do. But that's besides the point. <sighs> Do you think the Hornets could like what would the package have to be to send like PJ Washington to Indiana and Miles Turner? To so I think PJ Washington, I think PJ Washington's a free agent or damn near uh, close to it. So you have to be a sign and trade. That being said, like PJ Washington's probably like a four for 80 kind of player. So if you can get him to agree to an extension at four for 80 and you swap Miles Turner out for P.J. Washington, uh, it may be Charlotte has to throw in pick 15 and not 13. I think you could work with that. I, I, I think that that's something Indiana and Charlotte would both be interested in because Indiana has Isaiah Jackson, who – at this point, I think projects to be better than Turner. They have Goga, who showed at the end of the season last year, you know, with his 18 PER, that he is a pretty damn good player. And they also still have, again, they have their draft assets, but they also have a few other guys under contract uh, that I, I think you're going to be fine there if you move Turner. I understand they made the decision with the Turbonus bullshit. But I think if you can move Turner and you can go get a nice power forward to start uh, with your roster, you'd be in good shape. Uh, the next team, though, uh, besides Charlotte, who needs a coach, is the Sacramento Kings. And they have some really interesting decisions here. Um, obviously, De'Aaron Fox, 24, Simone is 26, 
that's your core. Uh, you're probably not bringing back Jeremy Lamb. You have Rashawn Holmes, who, by all accounts, probably shouldn't be playing next to Sabonis. You have Harrison Barnes, who I think is going to be wanting to get extended uh, probably in the 25 to $30 million range because that's where the, his you know, expected salary is going to be projected. You have a free agent, DiVincenzo. You have to make that decision if you're going to re-sign him. They have a lot of interesting options, but is there a coach out there that you think makes the most sense for them? Uh, my vote would be like Kenny Atkinson would be, the, I think, the dream out there. But it, it's The problem, though, is that it's Sacramento. So who like, fucking wants that job? Yeah, like – I, there's no the, the way that that front front office is, and the way that the roster is constructed, and just the vibe of the organization. Like that's a that's a that's probably the toughest job in the NBA, outside of you know the Knicks. <laughs> yeah, outside of the outside of the Lakers, or maybe outside of Brooklyn. Um, Sacramento. So let me, I'm not going to say toughest, most difficult, least rewarding. Um, I mean, if you, if you make the playoffs though, you're suddenly the greatest coach in Sacramento history. So like, yeah, but it's, I I mean, I get that there, there are some interesting pieces with Sacramento. Obviously you have the, um, De'Aaron Fox, you have DeMontis Sabonis, um, that's a pretty decent one-two punch. You have some flexibility. I think Davion Mitchell can be a, a, a very interesting either backup point guard or potential partner with De'Aaron Fox. Um, Rashawn Holmes has had some flashes this year. Um, but overall, like that's a, that's a roster where you can – you know, if you're up for the challenge, you can really get your – you can really dig your hands into it and kind of mold that team, you know, in your own in your own likeness. It's just a matter of um, – I, I just don't fucking see it. Well, not only that, you know – Like, I – That, that I, pick I, can't be slept on. The, the draft pick they have, which they have the seventh worst lottery odds – can't be slept on. So, I mean, you're already talking, they have like a 30% chance at a top yeah, four that pick. Could be, that could be AJ Griffin. That could be Benedict Maturin. You know, you could maybe take a, you know, a flyer on Shaden Sharp, on Jeremy Shoshan. You know, Sharp could still be around, like maybe Keegan Murray falls. I mean, I, I think that's what you need. You probably need to take a wing. With that pick, I I I think AJ Griffin's being slept on in the draft. Uh, yeah, just, I he's mean, an, he's an elite shooter. I think he shot forty six percent or something from three this you year. You can go after like Johnny Davis. There's even players like if they wanted to move back, EJ Liddell. I really like Patrick Baldwin Jr. Yeah, I really like. Oshai Baji could be yeah they. 
They've got, they have options. That is definitely a roster. I think if you're a coach, you can get in, work with the front office. Uh, they've kind of already said, like, we have kind of limited, like, who we're cutting our options down to, right? So they're, you know, according to ESPN, like, they've uh, talked about um, trying to get somebody from, Kev, like, either get Brian Randall, Kevin Young from Phoenix Suns, Darvin Ham's a name that keeps popping think, back up again. Like, that's the thing. The person that's going to take that job is going to be an assistant, is going to be an ambitious assistant. And I think that's probably – but the thing is, it's like you got to commit to them. Like, it, you can't – this is a – like, he can't go, you know – You can't, can't give him like just two years. He, he can't – yeah, you can't fire him halfway through year two when they're like – nine and 21 or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, yep. I agree. like, that's just, that's just the, the part of Sacramento that I just can't fucking wrap my head around is it, just the, the, the organization, the front office is just nothing. It's just non-existent. Yeah, I agree. I think that there are, that is an intriguing job. I would be interested in that job more so than the Lakers job, honestly, personally. But I also know that, like, <laughs> whoever ends up there, they're going to have their fucking hands full because they have so much turmoil in that organization. And they're lucky they are in California and they have a fan base who's willing to go to their damn games because I'm telling you, if they ran that team out in Indianapolis, they'd have 4,000 fans there. They'd be literally the worst team ever in attendance, not just, like, this year. Um. And the last team, the Lakers. All things right now point to Mark Jackson. Does it really matter? You know, LeBron James is plus 25,000 to be the next coach of the Lakers. And that is almost. I'd put a dollar. I'd put maybe even $2 on that. I mean, like, <laughs> could LeBron James be part owner, part coach, part player like Jackie Moon and uh, semi-pro I mean um, he already kind of does that like that that's a real thing LeBron James I mean does. here's the deal they shouldn't have fired Vogel it's uh, again that, that's another not obviously there's obviously not to the extent of dysfunctionality that Sacramento is dealing with but there is a very high level of dysfunctionality in that front office um, it doesn't help that you're going to have magic going on sports center every other day and being, well, if I was the GM of the Lakers, so, um, I don't know. I, I think you just ask LeBron, like, who do you want at this point? And then you just go from there. It's again, there's going to be challenges because I if you if they manage to move Russell Russell Westbrook, that would be a coup for them. I just don't know where you can send them. Like there's, but it's like, again, you look at that roster. More than likely, you are not going to have a. More than likely, if you're the if you're the next coach of the Los Angeles Lakers, you are not going to be able to make a first round draft pick because. I would imagine that they're going to have to get rid of the 2027 pick in order to get rid of Westbrook. All this right. Is so a, 
a Lakers team that, you know, when LeBron James, like who, like when his contract expires in, you know, two or three years or whatever, when he can opt out of his contract, which, you know, I, I would expect him to do just because that's, that's usually the case is you opt out, you see what you, you know, it, it empowers your, you know, your negotiating strategy, but it's like, I mean, so he, this is a, um, like, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent after this year. So this is a Lakers team that could, after this year, is, you're looking at a roster of Anthony Davis, who would have one year left on his, with because he, he has a player option, and um, Anthony Davis. Because Taylor Horton Tucker has a player option after this year. So your your two, you would have Anthony Davis, you would have uh Wenyan Gabriel. Okay. Um, you would have Austin Reeves qualifying offer. Hell yeah. Um, and I think you would have Mac McClung still. All right. Here's my where does Russ Westbrook go? It's not good. But maybe it's how the Knicks finally can just, like, fire fire their coach and not feel bad about it. The Knicks also want to be opening up cap space for two summers from now, and they can finally lure in another big free agent. That probably makes the most sense, is to just swap Westbrook and Julius Randle. Oh, God, no. We ain't doing that. Oh, you wish. I would like the Knicks. Does that make too much sense for you? Yes. I would like the Knicks to receive Russell Westbrook in a 2027 first-round pick that's lottery-protected from the Lakers. I would like the Lakers to receive Kemba Walker, Alec Burks, Evan Fournier, and Nerlens Noel, signed, sealed, delivered. Let's get it it done. I'll take the papers to the league office myself. Here's why both teams do this. Lakers split Russ Westbrook's contract over several years into more serviceable players. Kemba Walker plus LeBron kind of makes me feel inappropriate things. If Kemba Walker can, like, have any remote success at all. And I would love to watch Nerlens Noel's lanky ass running around next to Anthony Davis as a power forward center combination. I think that that is fascinating. I think that next to it. Same draft. Uh, probably, honestly, I think same draft or maybe like a year apart. Um, it also gives him Evan Fournier as a decent shooter. Doesn't do much else, but he's a decent shooter. And Alec Burks is the same thing. Just like, nah, they, yeah, Davis was twenty twelve. Noel was twenty thirteen. Yeah, so <laughs> I think it makes sense for the Lakers. And again, the reason the Knicks are doing it is because they're trying to wow a free agent to come there in the following off season. Also yeah. gives them a reason to fire Thibodeau. Like, I, I think, unfortunately, unless the Lakers pull off some sort of coup and are able to like get Levine on a max deal for whatever reason, by some, by some like weird NBA buy some Lakers clause in the NBA bylaws, which wouldn't be surprised to see exist. Um, I think this is a team that is 
probably building for 2023 and maybe even post. I, I think this is a team that is maybe building post LeBron at this point, like, unless like, you I, send LeBron I don't know. Like, it, I'm, LeBron assuming that LeBron, I'm assuming that LeBron is probably just going to stay there for the rest of his career. Actually, no, no, no. hear me out. You send LeBron to Cleveland. Like, like, I understand. Like, I think that there is potential where if like LeBron was like, hey, you guys should trade me instead of Russ, that LeBron with one year left on his deal gets swapped to Cleveland for like the combo of Karis LeVert plus Kevin Love. And it's like, maybe Cleveland's got to throw some other assets at the Lakers. I don't really I mean, know. The Lakers are certainly going to try and recoup at least one first round pick. Sure. If the Lakers say we need a first back, you send them like, I don't know, what is it, pick 14 they have this year? Who gives a shit? Like you're not getting most likely a generationally talented player like LeBron James at pick 14. And what are you really losing with Karis LeVert and Kevin Love? Karis LeVert was horrible for the Cavs. Like, he's the reason they didn't make the playoffs. Like, I would argue that Karis LeVert played the two worst playing games of any player in NBA history. Granted, it's a small sample size. But to sit here and look at, like, all right, we got Colin Sexton. He's coming back $25 million a year. Ron James coming in with this core. Goddamn. Let's go. Let's, let's I'm, go with these. I'm very interested to see what the Lakers end up doing because I do think that's going to be a very interesting – it's going to be a very interesting offseason for them. That's the biggest domino yet to fall. Whoever they hire as coach and wherever Russell Westbrook ends up. And obviously I don't think any of this is going to happen until the lottery, which is Tuesday, May 17th, which will be the most exciting night in basketball effort for me because I've never seen the Pacers actually have an opportunity to get a top four pick. Like that is so cool. Not as exciting for Cam because the Bulls don't have a lottery pick. Uh, yeah, at this point we're just hope you're just hoping that Walker Kessler is still on the board when they pick. man, I keep seeing Walker Kessler is gonna slip to like like really low. Dude Tankathon had him moving up. Yeah, I think everybody's like, just like I, the problem is like if let's say there's like maybe a run on centers and like Mark Williams goes off the board and um Jalen Duran goes off the board. I I don't see Kessler getting past Charlotte at 15. Yeah, but I think I think if you're Chicago. You're also fine with like Tari Eason. Yeah, I you know there I think there's other players there where you're going to need somebody who can come in and who can spell, who who can be a body a a defender down low because Vucevic is not that guy. So you're going to need somebody. Nikolajovic from Serbia. Yeah, kind of interesting. Another player who I would be like, okay, all right, I'm fine with this. I but um, yeah, like he's not a like he's not he's not that guy. 
he's yeah, not I, he, he's a he's a like he's more of a shooter like than anything. It's like are at this point, do you think the Bulls regret the Vucevic trade? No. Because I, I think it's like Karnasovas had I, I think you had enough tape on it, no, I, I, I don't. I think it's close. I wouldn't say they regret it either, but I think it's closer than Bulls fans would probably feel comfortable talking about. Because I think Wendell Carter's actually been like pretty good on it. I, I think he's been he's been excellent and yeah. he's been excellent in Orlando. I just I, I think that the again, you know, he played 62 games this year, he averaged 15 and 10. I, it's it, it to me. It felt like the tape was kind of already in on on Carter. I, I maybe it's just one of those things where he just needed a, a change of scenery. So that's that's really all I can say. I, I I don't think they necessarily regret that deal. I think yes, they would have liked Vucevic to be more of a number two, number three option than he is. But again, if you probably talked to the front office at the beginning of the season, I don't think they would have necessarily projected that they would have been playing as well as, as they did at points of the season. Like, I do think, like, if this is a Bulls team that stayed healthy, this is probably a Bulls team that is playing in the second round of the playoffs right now. Just- I agree. The way, the way that they were playing at points this year. Um, and I think another know. year with this core, if they can yeah, I, I, convince, I, they got to they do some work with Levine. I don't think that, let me put it this way. I don't think that, the, I don't think this team is better with what Orlando got out of Wendell Carter Jr. this year than what Chicago got out of Vucevic this year. Yeah. I would agree with that. Um, it's all going to come back, come down to like how much Zach Levine's willing to take, um, or how Absolutely. much he's willing to stay. Next, next year, much like this year, is going to depend on Levine, Levine coming back, DeRozan. What you know, preventing any fall off from DeRozan, and seeing what like a, a really healthy, you know, Lonzo Ball, Alec Caruso, Patrick Williams can can give you. You already you hit with Io Desumu. You have like a sixth, seventh man right there. Um, you know, it's just a matter of rounding out the rest of the roster and getting people healthy. Yeah, I you know, if you can get uh if you can get Zach Levine for I think it'll probably end up being close to like four for one seventy-six. I, I don't love it. I don't know if I feel comfortable having another max on this so roster, especially with the Mar. Is according to so he is eligible for a super max. Oh, uh, so it's like five for two twenty-five. Five to ten. I think was yeah five for two ten is the. I mean, you have to give it to him, right? Like you, you have can't to, let yeah. him. Off. You have you to. Can't. Uh, so that's the thing, because he can only make about four one fifty seven for another team. I, I, I think you have to. Uh, it's. 
I think yes, the 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 cap is is maybe going to hurt, but I, you just have, you have to give it to Levine. I I think he is a he's that big of a difference maker for sure. Top twenty. I'm saying 25, top 25 player. Player in the league. So, and at I, I think at a, you know, just the, the way that the NBA, the way that NBA rosters are built, all of those guys are pretty much going to get max or super max deals. Yeah. So the value is there. You know, if you can continue to get 25 points a game out of him for the next two or three years, you know, if you can hit again on this draft pick, you get another year or two of production out of DeRozan and Vucevic. Patrick Williams develops the way that you hope he does. Io DeSumo can maybe develop into a, um, you know, a plus starter. Um, you know, that Portland pick next year is hot too. Like that Portland pick next year is super hot. Like I don't think people are. I, I think that's a little understated. Like that Portland Trailblazers twenty twenty three first round pick is spicy like has pretty good odds of being an exceptional pick so is I think there that, any is there any rules on that one is there any weird I think it's a top six protected pick don't quote me on that but I'm pretty sure it's top six there's no way Portland next year is not in the top six oh man Dame Lord comes back plays you know 75 games maybe maybe but I think that's all we're going to talk about tonight. I kept you here yeah. long enough. Escaped a fire drill. you got a long day ahead of you tomorrow. Um, make sure you follow us on Twitter. Twitter.com slash the six man pod. Camp shit posts on there all the time. And, you know. I haven't, I haven't had the chance to do it as much in the past couple of days. Uh, I have been busy. I am going to try and continue to do so. Um, but it's okay. We're going to, we're going to. Stay active on there. Keep looking out for other content. Hopefully you get Mark back after he runs the little five marathon tomorrow. So the Indy 500 marathon tomorrow or Saturday, whenever this comes out. Um, Did you see um, Arizona and Indiana are going to play a game in Vegas? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That'd be cool. Can we road trip into Vegas for that? That'd be fire. (laughs) I mean, I, I listen, I finally got to experience Vegas last year. I like it. Oh, I also got to say this. The, the NFL draft in Vegas, like, at this point, just make it permanent. It was fucking awesome. It looked it looked pretty fun. Uh, everything I've read, just, like, the fact that they had it for the fountains of the Bellagio, things like that. Like, you, at this point, like, the NFL needs to look at that. The NBA needs to look at it. Like, God, if they played the finals in Vegas, holy it's, shit. It's taken, it's taken a long time for uh, Vegas to finally get recognized. By these sports teams, I think we have to credit the Golden Knights for making the Stanley Cup Finals year one. Um, but this is a yeah, Vegas is, is super fun, and I think it's it's going to be there. You know, there's a lot of college basketball there. You know, this past year, um, I think Vegas is can is going to grow into a insane sports destination, not just a sports betting. Destination. Can't wait for the Vegas Athletics, baby, in baseball in 2025. That's my uh, prediction. The Vegas Athletics 2025, the Vegas Kings, or yeah. the the NBA. I'm assuming Vegas and Seattle are going to get the two 
NBA. Uh, yeah, I think I think it'll be Vegas and Seattle, and we'll see either New Orleans or Memphis push to the East. I think that's the uh, the prediction there. But at this point, I'm excited for whatever, man. I don't care. But uh, that's gonna wrap this up. I gotta do this editing. Gotta get you on the road for tomorrow. Without further ado, thanks for listening so much to the Six Man Podcast. Have a wonderful day.